Hello everybody and welcome to episode 2 of the Retro Nerd Showcase podcast with me, Chucky. And me, CJ. And we are going to talk about Disney and like a generalization of Disney, especially with how big Disney Plus has gotten in the last month, I figured. Let's talk about Disney, especially Disney movies, which may be a broad topic, and I am happy with all the support of the people that have already started listening to this, so we record on Anchor, so you can find this on Spotify, Google Play, any place that podcast services are available, you can locate this, and you can find it on Retro Nerd Showcase. For anything nerdy that we wish to talk about, last week we talked about Nintendo. Yes. Um, how do you think last week's episode went? Amazing. I got some good feedback on it, and people liked it. So let's start with... Disney's been pretty big in both of our households, right? Growing up? Yes. Uh did did your mom like let you guys actually watch Disney? Because I know some stuff you guys weren't allowed to watch, but I do know every time I go over to her house, um, this is FYF. CJ is actually my fiance. Yeah. We're actually getting married in October, and it is technically a Disney themed wedding because it is not before yes. Christmas. Um, her mom has still has Disney VHS tapes, and not just like. The movies, she has these rare ones that I have not seen in a long time. And those are your uh, Mickey, Donald, Goofy um, VHS tapes that are very hard to come by these days. So what kinds of stuff did like your mom start you guys on? Or did you guys just randomly pick VHS tapes off the shelf? I don't think so. I think it was just old school Disney movies, the animated type. That's about it. Like Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Snow White. Was Cinderella your first one? I think Snow White was. I remember being very young and watching Cinderella. And for some reason, my favorite character in that movie has always been the fat mouse yeah gus because mm-hmm. gus is just like this really interesting character that he him and his little partner the little skinny one the tall skinny one they always like help things get done and i always love it as i got older people have always said that the true villain of the movie was the cat uh-huh. lucifer mm-hmm. <laughs> that big fat cat So we we always watched Disney because I remember when we were kids, Disney Channel was just starting, but it was like free on TV back then. So it just started, and one of the earliest ones I remember watching on the Disney channels, they played the Labyrinth, mm. and the Labyrinth is like Jim Henson Studio stuff, which I consider Disney because they played it on the Disney Channel when I was a kid. So I don't know if it's actually a Disney movie. Okay. But um, The Labyrinth was always, like, 
but the version we had of it, somebody forgot, <laughs> stopped recording it halfway through. So it's like, it jumps from the beginning to almost the end of the movie. And there's this whole chunk that was always missing. Hmm. But I always loved the labyrinth. But the my first, my first big Disney memory was us going to the movies. And I was really young and we saw Oliver and Company. And I remember... Back when I back when I was a kid, anytime a Disney movie came out, because they were very few and far between. Like it's not like now where like Disney movies come out all the time. Like in a year, you could have like three or four Disney movies. You would have like one every couple of years. Mm-hmm. So Oliver and Company was a big one. But my favorite one at that time when I was a kid is we. My mom recorded me the Brave Little Toaster off TV. Because that movie actually came out. Well, the technically, year. that's not a Disney. It's a Disney property, though. Now. Well, it was made by Pixar. Yeah. Bef- yeah, so now it's like under... It's under the Disney umbrella now. Mm-hmm. So I remember watching Brave Little Toaster and... I was like, back then it wasn't connected. Yeah, I Pixar got... Pixar was its own thing. I think it had like the... It was... Disney gave them the money, so it got brushed under the Disney umbrella. Mm. It's one of those things where Disney gave them money, so it became a Disney property. But okay. so he made this movie, John Lasseter, who later on would make a movie that's very similar to it called Toy Story. <laughs> but I remember that movie, and that movie was so good. But then I like couldn't find it for. Years, and then I found it for CJ. And ironically, me and CJ both love that movie. Mm-hmm. And I always liked Blanky. I like the sad and depressing characters. I like the vacuum. The grumpy, sad vacuum. Because I also like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, and he's grumpy and sad. It's weird. The the weird. the one character, the one scene I always remember in that movie, is the what's it called? The the, the 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 air thing. The is it the junkyard scene or no? No, it's when they're they're in the living room. They haven't left the house yet, and they take. It's. The 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 thing that makes cold air go in your house. AC. The 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 AC unit is making fun of them and laughing about nobody cares about him anymore, and he laughs himself to death, and he dies. <laughs> so to me, like that's a really good movie, but after it came what I call the trifecta, the three best Disney movies. Um, in a minute, we'll go back to some older stuff and we'll jump around. But first, I want to touch on these three. Because these are three that me and CJ love and adore. There's a slight difference in age with me and CJ. But we both, I think, had the same experiences watching them. You go Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. All came like almost within the same time. It was just one right after the other. And my experiences with those are we went and saw them at the same theater. And every time, right after we saw it, we went to McDonald's and they had McDonald's toys for all of them. Little Mermaid had uh, bath toys, obviously. 
Yeah. And Little Mer uh, Aladdin had toys as well. And so did Beauty and the Beast. The funny thing is those are the those to me are the three movies that kick started this like Disney Renaissance where they s- merchandise started coming out. Then after that you had toys, Barbie dolls, video games, TV shows. Mm-hmm. And those are the and before that you didn't have that. And then right after these three came out, they re-released all the classics back into theaters. For the first time, they had not been in theater since the 40s and 50s. Wow. And it was these three movies, I think, that did it. So I'll start. Um, I think Little Mermaid's a really, really good movie. I still watch that. And I still get the same Feel. feelings inside when I'm watching the movie. And it's funny that my f- <laughs> my favorite scene in the movie has nothing to do with Eric or Ariel. It's the scene with the chef who, it's sad, he he just passed away, the voice actor that played the chef in there oh. just passed away, like yesterday. He's trying to stuff Sebastian, <laughs> and then he, he sings this whole song about stuffing the crab, and he puts him in the water, and then Seb- Sebastian stomps on his nose with his claw, and they go in this Three Stooges moment of him... Trying to beat him up. Mm-hmm. Um, Little Mermaid to me is always... It's a classic love story type thing. Yeah. And it's a weird... It's a different take on the very morbid and disturbing uh, Hans Christian Andersen version of <laughs> Little Mermaid. So, before we jump to the others, like, what's your view on like Little Mermaid when you saw it the first time? How you feel about the movie? I don't go when I saw it the first time because you always go to that. Because yeah. I don't remember any of that kind of stuff. You always go to the first time, the date, the time, the minute that you watch something. Well, yeah, I'm good um, at time and date and stuff. I'm not. Uh, I think my favorite scene is the shark. One in the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. When she's off doing adventures with a uh, flounder and they come across this this uh, shipwreck and flounder's like her conscience I swear like he, he's always trying to correct her and trying to make her do the right thing and then like the whole uh, shark I'm not gonna say attack but chase Ends up with Flounder actually not being the 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 conscience anymore. He's making fun of the shark. He bumps him sh- on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> making fun of the shark and like taunting him and stuff because he's stuck in the, I don't know, I'm going to say Quidditch hole. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it's where Harry Potter plays Quidditch. It has those circles. It does have those circles. I think they're supposed to be the, the viewports on a boat. Oh. And, like, I think that's one of my favorite ones. And, like, she has, Ariel has this whole idea that everything's better on the other side. The whole, that's the whole premise of the whole thing. The grass is greener, greener on, on the other side. Kind of like a, the three billy goats gruff and that kind of stuff. Yeah. The grass is always better on the other side, but in all reality, it's 
not. I mean, cause even in her song, she's like, where fathers don't reprimand their daughters. Yeah. Like, that's why she wants to go somewhere else. But in all reality, being on land, you still get that. So it's it's an odd type of thing. And she's really young to be married. I think she's like, I think... 15 or she's, 16. She's the, she's the one of the oldest of the Disney princesses, and she's like 16. 15, mm-hmm. 16 years old. So that's weird. So it's like a runaway type thing. I don't know. It's weird. Elsa's a really cool villain. A very memorable villain. Ursula. Ursula's very, very memorable. I think this one has a lot of memorable characters. Mm-hmm. It I will say if there's one flaw when it comes to Little Mermaid is that songs aren't as iconic as some other. Like some movies, there's like every song in the movie. Like the next one we're going to talk about. Every song is something that you're just like spot on. Nostalgic waves. Oh, I like all the songs. And I, I think it's I think it's really cool. Uh, Little Mermaid, and then you go into Aladdin. And Aladdin has this whole people just, me included, love and adore Aladdin. And it's just you got two really good comedians that are in the movie. I know everybody always talks about Robin Williams in there as the shopkeeper and as the genie. But then you also have Gilbert Godfrey as Iago, which is very, very good in there. Aladdin also has, it's one of the few Disney movies where I like nearly every character that's in there. And a lot a lot of the jokes in there still hit. Yes. And the songs that are in the movie... All of them, to me, are still as good as they were when I first heard them. And they're all iconic in in my view. Everything from uh, Prince Ali to Friend Like Me to Jafar's version of Prince Ali. He sings at the end. And there's all like, there's like little weird jokes that are just slid in there. And I think this is the beginning of like off the wall jokes. Because there's a scene where the uh, the shopkeeper pulls out a hookah hmm. and says, hey, this is a hookah, and it makes fries. It won't break. And then he says, it broke. Because he slams it on the thing. And then there's the Little Mermaid joke. Hmm. Uh, they're looking, when he's trying to turn uh, Aladdin into the prince, and he folds the book, and he's flipping through the pages. One of the pages, one of the things that jumps out when he's trying to learn how to make oh, a princess yeah. Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of improv by Robin Williams in there. But I think as good as Robin Williams is, Jafar is like an amazing villain. He's like one of my top two favorite Disney villains. He's just... Who's your one? Scar. Because Scar is just evil, vindictive, and he's just... It's Hamlet, of course. He's plotting everything. Yeah. And to me, like... Aladdin is still good. Like, we've watched it recently. And every time that we put it in, it doesn't matter who's watching it. 
everybody still enjoys it. It's still, people still enjoy it. The adults, kids, we showed it, we showed it to a new generation of kids last time we watched it and I put it on the, on the Blu-ray and they, in their faces looked just like mine did when I was a little kid. So to me, I was just, so it's a timeless movie. I would compare it to like Wizard of Oz. Or like uh the the original Willy Wonka. It's still you could show show it to people. I don't know. Or Nightmare Before Christmas cuz you could still show okay, that to people. Okay, I could see that one, but Willy Wonka I think is dated. Well, that's why I was saying Wizard of um, Oz cuz people still enjoy Wizard, Wizard of Oz, Oz is slowly getting to being dated. Yeah. Because of the whole farm-esque type stuff. It's yeah. slowly fading in the U.S., I know. Yeah, but I do know Aladdin still is very good. Mm-hmm. And to me, out of everybody in the movie, a lot of people always go to the genie as their favorite character. Mine's but a boo. I love a boo because he, he's so... Without even, even saying anything. He doesn't you say know a exactly word. exactly what he's It reminds saying. me of Donald. Donald Duck, like some of his mannerisms... And I love the interaction Before between... Before you could actually see what yeah. Donald Duck was saying. Yeah. Like uh, Abu and the carpet. Their interactions are awesome. Mm-hmm. And some of the best lines in there are from Iago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I rewatched it recently on my phone. I watched, like, the first 20 minutes of it. And there's a line in the beginning of... The, the movie where they take the, the really fat, like, overweight dude from Agrabah and try and get him to go in the Cave of Wonders. And the Cave of Wonders says he wasn't worthy. So Iago picks up the little pieces after the cave fell down, which, by the way, is really good CG right there. He, Jafar says, oh, I guess he wasn't... I guess he wasn't the, ch- the chosen one. <laughs> Why... Why am I not surprised? I'm going to die of the fact of not being surprised. <laughs> and to me, that's just cool. Mm. Iago's a cool character. And Robin Williams' performance as the genie is like... Spot on. Spot on, perfect. And most people probably might know this. Some people don't. His lines weren't really written down. Because Robin always had a problem with remembering his lines. So most of it is just improv. Him doing random crap. So from Aladdin, which... And by the way, Aladdin and The Little Mermaid were huge successes at the box office. Yes. So before we get to Beauty and the Beast, before that, because of the success of those two, they re-released in theaters 101 Dalmatians... Pinocchio, Snow White, Jungle Book, and Cinderella. And that's how I watched all those for the first time. Not me. Uh, we watched them at home. Yeah, and it's... I will say out of all of those, like... Jungle Book to me is not my cup of tea. Jungle Book and Pinocchio, I'm not gung-ho over. Gotcha. They're not... Well, even Peter Pan kind of, too. Like, there are movies that I like scenes of them. 
Like, Jungle Book has a couple good scenes here and there, but as a movie by itself, Pinocchio as a movie by itself. Um, Peter Pan, I think it's because at the same time I watched Peter Pan, a month before that I'd watch Hook. And to me, I know it's not Hook's not a Disney movie, but to me, Hook is better than Peter Pan. And Jungle Book, I had seen other versions of it that I liked a whole lot more. And Cinderella was good, but it wasn't like Blockbuster. Out of all those that I really saw, I loved 101 Dalmatians because that movie was awesome. Pongo and Purdy. Pongo and Purdy. And then the fact that all, all their Dalmatians that they originally had, the 15, I believe there's 15, they all had good personalities. And you could separate them based... On their personalities. And I loved how there was a dog network. Mm-hmm. Where Pongo and Purdy are looking for th- their stuff and they have a general dog. Yep. And it's like a terrier. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Corello DeVille was such a cool character. Evil. And then she had her little henchmen people. Mm-hmm. And I really like Hunter Wendell Dalmatians. I just don't like the live action one they did later on. I didn't mind it. I'm not going to say it's one of my favorite, but I didn't mind it. I could watch it over and over. But I love Snow White. I think that was probably one of the first movies I've ever watched was Snow White. My favorite dwarf was Dopey. Dopey. I think Dopey is everybody's because he looks so weird and and fun. like, Like the dance scene where he's dancing with Snow White. Yeah, when he's standing on top of somebody's head, probably Grumpy's. And Snow White is like just this... Really cool film, and it's a very simple story mm-hmm. about an evil stepmother, which they kind of redid in Cinderella. Isn't it mainly all stepmothers? Most Who had a stepmother that was very evil for them to write all these stories about evil stepmothers? Uh, probably <laughs> Hans Christian Andersen, who wrote a lot of them. They took a lot of them from pre existing material. So after this came a movie that me and CJ really like, and that is Beauty and the Beast. That's my all-time favorite Disney movie. Beauty and the Beast is, like, so good, and I hold it very dear that when the live action came out, it, all it did was make me want to... Watch the original? Yes. Yes. Well, because it is such a good movie. You know, the the whole and thing they, about the beast being this handsome prince, but he was a beast inside. So he was, the, yeah, he was an so, egomaniac. So the witch, the old lady witch, turned him into the beast he really was to show him that there's people out there that will love him even though he looks like a beast to make him more humble and... I don't know, it's just, I don't, the whole thing. And he's very villainous in the beginning. Yeah. But it's it's like a slow, as the movie progresses, like he becomes more, he becomes less beast and more human throughout the film. And that's what was supposed to happen. Which, Which is great. And the cool thing is they have, they have sets of characters that when they're in a room together, they just light up the screen. Like, um, 
Clogsworth and Clogsworth and Lemire. Lemire. Uh, Miss Potts and Chip. Mm-hmm. Um, Lemire and the Duster. Lemire and the Duster. Uh, Gaston and his little fat buddy. <laughs> yes, and even the the what is it called? The arm. It's not an armoire. Well, yeah, there's that scene, but the puppy. Yeah. What the hell is those things called? The thing that you Ottoman. Your, thank you. But the armoire was pretty cool too when she opens up her drawers or whatever and butterflies and moths pop out. And then when she turns back at the end, you find out she's basically almost a prostitute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, excuse me. I haven't done that in too long. But Cogsworth and Lemire. So, uh, for you guys who may not remember the character names, uh, Cogsworth and Lemire is the candlestick and the clock. Mm -hmm. Who, I love it because it's like that old school, like, Jerry Lewis, Dean Martin type stuff where, where you have, like, or like Lethal Weapon, you have one straight lace person, and you have one comical, and the candlestick is it's like comical. is like oh, we should do this. Everything's okay, and the clock is like no, 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 don't do that. The master will get upset. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. And you even have it where like everybody thinks that like Belle's like not interesting because all she's doing is reading books. Oh, in the town. So it's basically like Belle and Beast are a lot alike because they're both isolated. Mm-hmm. And then Beast even saves her. Like some of the really cool scenes in there is one the, uh, the, the wolves. The wolves are the snow stain, the snow scene where they're singing, but they're singing inside their heads mm-hmm. because they're slowly falling for each other, but they don't. Yeah. I love the, the, where, um, Belle was feeding the birds. And then all of a sudden she looks over. And Beast has birds all over him because he has the the bird feed in his hand. And, like, he just gives her this weird smile. Yes, I love... And my all-time favorite scene is Is the ballroom scene. The most iconic scene in the... I can't say the most iconic because Be Our Guest is also very iconic. But the... scene in the ballroom... And With that's some early, dress. like, computer, like, mm. CG stuff. And the cool thing is the the song matches, and it's sang by um um the chick who's on Murder, She Wrote. Because mm-hmm, she's Miss Potts. She's Miss Potts, but she sings mm-hmm. it so perfectly. But she sings it in a... She sings it in a way like she's telling a story to her son, mm-hmm. to Chip. And I think that's what really accompanies it because I hated like the version they had in the live action because they could have just they changed a lot of things in the live action and I think that rubbed me the wrong way I think the but I just love the animated the whole movie of her finally realizing she's no longer a prisoner that she is free, but yet she still comes back to save him. Like, it's not... It's true love. And that's what saved the Rose. Yes. And I do remember, a f- it was a few years back, they re-released Beauty and the Beast in 3D. And most of the 3D that they used was all in that ballroom scene. So as you're watching it, it's actually 
full 3D on that scene, which is awesome. I, I just, I don't know. It gave me hope it's, when I was young about just love in general. Because, I mean, I, I'll tell everybody, I have pretty low self-esteem anyway. So I always pictured myself as the beast and having, like, somebody to love that beast just, like, gave me hope. Like, okay, I'm this horrible-looking creature. If the beast can find love, then there's hope for I me think, out there. I think that's that the moral sense. of the story. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I know I'm not this horrible creature, but when I see myself, it's just how I see myself. And so I think that gave me hope when I saw it. And I think that's why it's my favorite one, because all the other ones are like they're princesses. They're not these horrible creatures out there finding love they were princesses so i didn't connect as much because i didn't feel like a princess and one reason i do really have good memories for this is right after this came out we were told we were going to california to go to disneyland and we when we were there they had a full stage like broadway play of beauty and the beast Mm. and it was only that summer and then they discontinued it but it had a whole stage performance of them doing the whole thing. So after this, there was uh, another movie, which CJ also really likes. There's a theme. There's like a bunch of movies that CJ really likes that came back to back to back. It's Lion King. Yes. And that's basically the story of Hamlet. It's the story of Hamlet, but it's so... I still think the guy that did Scar's voice was in... Uh, what's... was in... John Wick. I swear it's him. Jeremy Irons? I don't know names. You keep giving me names. He... I know he's a black man. That did Scar... Yeah? No? God. No, it's the... Then I can't think of it, because I always thought it was, like, Darth Vader. He played... No, that's Mufasa. Mufasa? Mufasa is Darth Vader. So, was he in John Wick? No, that's Lawrence Fishburne that's in John Wick. (sighs) Morpheus from The Matrix. No, but... God. Because Mm. there was a scene in John Wick that screamed, The Lion King. And I was hoping so bad because. But yes, Darth it was like Vader. A full circle. Well, anyway, go it's on. Why, I don't it's, care. I'm wrong. I'm always wrong. It's all good. It's why in one of the episodes of The Simpsons, when up in the clouds, there's a Mufasa cloud and there's a Darth Vader cloud because James Earl Jones voices both of them. Because that guy in John Wick, I can't remember who was John Wick 1, 2, 3, whatever, 15, 7. Um. He said, long live the king. Yes, that, that was Morpheus and from the Matrix. it sounded so much like they Star. They do. They, oh. they sound a lot alike, but Jeremy Irons is a white man. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Just that whole scene of him going, and I'm like, oh my God. It could be. I'll have to ask Chucky. And then you smash it. The Lion King is... <laughs> 
really cool, but it is... I think that was the is, first one that made me ball my eyes out. But it is also a product of the time period. Mm, because Well, you got okay. Simba's played by Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who was a big star at the time. You have Matthew Broderick, his older Simba. You have Jeremy Irons, who just got off, like, Die Hard 3 as Scar. But to me, it's... There's, like, it's hard to say a breakout, like, character in there, because a lot, the only one so that... So you're basically saying the characters that were in there were well-known. There were every... starting character Yeah, every actor. everybody that's in there was, like, popular, that they okay. casted. And they even have Elton John doing the music in there, and he did most of the popular songs mm-hmm. in, in that movie. But the ones that re- the one character in there that I feel didn't really have a presence was Sarabi. Sarabi. She yes. wasn't like Scar's girl. Yeah, and the one thing that always blew my mind is that Mister Bean is the voice of Zazu, <laughs> who is one of my favorite characters in the movie, especially when he's telling them that. The uh, Nolan Simba. One day you guys are going to be betrothed. You guys are going to be and married like, one day. Yeah. Well, because they first ask, "What does betrothed mean?" And yeah. then they goes into the whole thing, and they're like, "Yeah." I'm just like, "Oh, I don't think of you that way at all." But CJ does love the opening segment. Oh yeah, I always mess it up, but yes, I do. I like the set pieces that are in there because each part of the pride lands, um, like you have the elephant graveyard, mm-hmm. you have the, the outlands where Timon and Pumbaa are. You have Rafiki's house, which is like a big giant tree where he just, I just love Disney movies. I don't know why. And maybe it's just like a attachment of my childhood or something like that. So because even with, uh, Rafiki, like all his scenes, are amazing to the point where like it's almost like a Pocahontas scene where the wind tells him that freaking uh, Simba's alive and he goes and he cracks open whatever kind of fruit and dips his thumb in and goes right on top of the rock and Simba and like does this whole freaky thing and I'm like he knows even though he doesn't really know. They even tell an elegant fart joke. Yeah. But let's talk about that scene that made you cry. Because it's a scene that makes every generation cry. Uh, We we will go on record to say that we have not seen the live action. Because we're very iffy and timid on it. Because they all, because they're, it's a live action, but not really a live action movie. Their faces all look the same and they're not animated like you can with a cartoon. But let's... Let's talk about that scene. It's a scene that everybody... I think it was, like, the first, like, true murder as a kid. You know? Like, it was intent. The uncle was there to kill the king. Because he wanted to be king. So where does it start for you? Is it right when right when Simba's in the, in the part and the, the rocks start to move? Or is it when they're on top? 
It'd be probably the rocks or even a little bit before that. Because they build the tension really well. When the uh, hyenas start to even mess with the antelope and stuff. Like, that's when it starts. And then... Oh, my... I can't even talk about it. It's so sad. Like, the whole... Mufasa saving Simba. And they foreshadow it. Oh, yes. Because there's a talk about death and how he won't always be there. It's a life that he won't always be there. One day, you know, he's going to die and become one with the earth and blah, blah, blah. And And Simba will take over. If you ever need me, just look up to the stars. Yes. And then you get to... This what what's referred to as the stampede scene. Yes, I hate. Oh, I love it, but I hate it all at the same time. Like, I'm glad it happened the way it did because it made his death mean something. Yes, and it meant when Simba gets exiled. Well, he exiles himself basically. Well, kind of. The Scar, uncle, Scar puts it in his head that... That it, he killed his dad when it wasn't that way. Like, Simba never really saw this the, the argument between Mufasa and Scar. But this is also a way for Scar to take the, front, the throne and tell everybody that Simba was dead when he's not. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of... It's a good way to segue into showing Timon and Pumbaa... Who were like... The comedians. They were the comedians, and they even bring bring levity to the whole movie. <laughs> they thought Simba was dead. <laughs> so, after Lion King, you, there's this era that starts to happen where I'm not as enthralled with the Disney movies, and that's the the new Disney stuff that's coming out, and then... Pixar starts coming. So Toy Story came out and was it was good. I liked Toy Story. But then you have like Pocahontas, Mulan, Hercules, which are three that Hercules, I think I barely watched it. I love those. Mulan, I, I turned love it the off. The ladies singing in Hercules and then the one scene in Hercules where uh Hercules is trying to become a god or whatever. Yes, I know it's not a legit story of Hercules, but like when he has to go to the underworld to save, um, I can't even remember her name now, and he's going into the the water acid pit and he's slowly dying and dying and dying and then the witches having a strand of his hair and he goes to cut it because that means that he dies the strand of his hair and they try to cut it and it turns into this gold where they can't cut it because he's become a god at that point and uh Hades taunting him and all Hercules does is punch him in the face and he falls down like Hades can't touch him anymore I don't know I just love it I loved everything about it even Pegasus Pegasus was awesome Pegasus and cuz he he never talked but you knew exactly what Pegasus Wanted and needed and said. Because just with the facial features and the whole... I don't even know. Like, you knew if he didn't like you. And he didn't like the chick. <laughs> Did you like Pocahontas when it came out? Yes. Pocahontas, the only character I really remember in there, is the raccoon, Miko. Miko. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I know you like them. Do you feel like at that time period, at that era, the um, the Disney movies weren't as good as what came before? Like, would you put Pocahontas, Hercules, and Mulan in the same category as... Probably not, because I, I, I don't know. Because I know after my, that... Like I said, my all-time favorite movie of Disney is Beauty and the Beast. Everything under that doesn't match up. What about when it started going to the Pixar era? So you got your Toy Story 2, you got A Bug's Life. I like Toy Story. I don't, I've never seen Toy Story 2. Never seen Toy Story 3. I did watch Bug's Life. I could watch it again, but it's still not my favorite. And then Disney started releasing all these sequels to movies that came out a long ass time ago. Like Jungle Book 2, Return to Neverland. They're all ones that I didn't really watch. But then in 2001, your favorites came out. And that's when Lilo and Stitch came out. I do like that one. Lilo and Stitch, like, I remember the trailers and a, and that, but I never, like, it didn't. Like, the earlier ones, there was something it's an in alien the. alien puppy! I know, but in the other ones, there was something to bring me in to want to watch it. Lilo and Stitch, like, all the trailers were, were making fun of the other Disney movies. I don't know, because. For me, the whole thing is, I don't, I've never really had a whole lot of friends, and that's Lilo. She has no friends. She thinks she has friends, and uh, they're like frenemies or whatever you want to call it. Like, they'll be nice to her face, and even when they're trying to be nice, they're mean to her, and like make fun of her doll. It's a creepy looking doll, but still make fun of her and her doll and try to make her feel like this horrible creature. And, like, the sister's trying so hard to keep the family together when her parents died and everything's falling apart. And CPS is there trying to take Lilo away because they don't think the sister's providing adequate care. And Lilo's not helping the situation by taking spoons and putting them into a pickle jar full of pickle juice and saying, these are my friends, I need to punish them. Because <laughs> they just, like, destroyed her doll. And so there he's like, yeah, this isn't normal, you know, and all this stuff going on and so forth. And they're finally starting to get their shit back together when everything else falls apart. I think that's what I like. I know a lot of people. The whole I don't have friends and her best friend is Stitch, this alien reject that's hiding out because he's this monster mastermind of darkness and he's hiding out with Lilo pretending to be a dog and they become like best friends and so it's finally she gets that companionship that she's never gotten before because I mean her sister is always out working providing for her and now she has her buddy so it's like I could find a buddy and my buddy's a dog even though he's not really a dog but yeah so that's why I like it, I think. And and then, like, over a 10-year, 12-year period, they released some Pixar movies I like. Monsters, Inc., I love and adore. Yes. And then I... But they'd always... Pixar movies... Most all Pixar mo- movies have that sad punch at the end. And you haven't even seen the saddest one, and that's Up. <sighs> I will say... 
Monsters, Inc., I really liked. The Incredibles, I really liked. Cars, I think all of them are just stupid, and I've been the immense pleasure of seeing them all. Uh, Big Hero 6, I thought was really good. And that one, too, has the punch at the end. Yeah, where you think Big Hero 6 dies. It's just the... Like, I don't know why Pixar has to do it. Even with the brave little toaster, they did it. Because you think that they're all going to die. In Toy Story 3, there's a scene where you think all the toys are going to get set on fire. The saddest one to me, though, is Inside Out. Because Inside Mm. Out, there's this whole thing where if you actually dissect the movie and take away all the emotions, you get this kid that's running away from her family, everything, and her life's falling apart because she moved and has no friends. But the emotions, you have sadness, and then Joyce loses her ability to be happy, and then you there's this whole underlining thing that it's okay to be sad. Being sad helps. It's the whole invisible friend thing is the thing that gets a lot of people. Because all of us remember that time where you had to put your 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 fake friends, your invisible friends that you made, and you got to get rid of them. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And that's what that scene does. It's like a yes. stab in the heart. So Pixar is kind of, like to me, Disney really doesn't make Disney movies anymore. That's true. But the good thing is that now we have, like, Disney Plus so we can go back and watch everything. I agree. And we did that tonight at your cousin's house. We watched Winnie the Pooh. And, oh, my gosh, two grown women singing Winnie the Pooh and knowing exactly what's going to happen. See, even if you know exactly what's going to happen, the movie still feels the same. Oh, yeah. I mean, it brought me back to the time just sitting there watching it. Just Even before the movie on. starts when the opening credits are going and you see all the stuff in the background, they're yes. just all stuff that just brings... Because I had, like, Winnie the Pooh, like, stuffed animals when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, and the I had blocks. And the blocks, because every kid had those blocks. I did, too. My mom put made it say welcome, and it was like... Uh, it was like a shelving unit thing that had the square so you could put, you know, in each square was a block. Yeah. Yes, I had those blocks. So we wanted to do this Disney episode because we kind of wanted to do a retrospect on kind of like just Disney, where we went going through it. Because both of us both had parents that truly loved Disney and it it's a good thing for kids to have. It's a good thing for you to actually have some wholesome movies that you can actually watch with your kids. And to me, that's what the Disney movies are. Yes, I agree. Bless you. I'm trying not to do the duck sneeze on the podcast. It's all good. All right, so this has been episode two, and we will see you again next week. We are very happy with the support we've been getting so far. If you like the podcast, uh, send a link. Let let your friends listen to it. Uh, we're Drop hope- a message somewhere. Do something. We're hoping to spread this podcast and that it's going to be something great for the whole family. Yay! And we'll see you next week.
Bye.